This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. This is the Fox News Rundown Extra. I'm Dana Perino. I recently spoke with Jim Tuohy, who was a trusted lawyer and friend of the late Mother Teresa. Tuohy traveled with the Catholic nun and Nobel Peace Prize winner during her final years and saw the human side of the woman who would be canonized by Pope Francis in 2016. In our discussion, he revealed a lot about Mother Teresa, what motivated her compassion for the poor, the sick, and the lonely. Tui, who would later serve as the director of the White House Office of Faith-Based and Community Initiatives under President George W. Bush, revealed how he was changed by those years and how he became motivated to devote much of his own life to charity. We made some edits for time and thought you might like to hear the whole thing. So, thanks for listening. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the Weekday Fox News Rundown podcast. Now, here's Jim Tui on the Fox News Rundown Extra. Jim, tell me, how did you come to even know Mother Teresa? Well, it was uh, kind of accidental. I had gone over to Southeast Asia. I was working for Senator Mark Hatfield at the time. And uh, I had the opportunity to swing through India to meet her because Senator Hatfield knew her and I wanted to meet her. I was lost and just thought that it would be good for me to meet her. And it also, I thought it'd be cool. And so um, I carved out on the way home one day in Calcutta and I talked myself into doing it by saying I'll get five days in Hawaii on the way home. So uh, that's what I did. And I met her in 1985 and it changed the course of my life. So what was your life like before you met her? I was working uh, for Senator Hatfield and was making more money than I'd ever had and had a position of influence. He was chairman of the Senate Appropriations Committee. So by all appearances, uh, I was doing great. I was mentoring inner city kids uh, one night a week. That made me feel good about myself. But basically, very self-centered, empty life. I'd lost a very close friend to suicide. My faith was somewhat lifeless. And so uh, when I met Mother Teresa, I was more lost than I realized. And uh, and I just met this woman who was so focused and so uh, energetic and joyful. And I met her the week she turned 75. So it was really kind of amazing. How did your relationship develop then? Well, she came back to the U.S. a couple months later, and I went up to New York to just to see her again, because it was always a, lovely to be around her. And Fortunately, she needed a lawyer. She was sending over a lot of Indian sisters who needed visa help to get in the U.S. She was opening a lot of homes in America and needed uh, the legal assistance and also someone to run interference with government. Senator Hatfield was very helpful on that. And so I was in the right place at the right time. And I was single. And so I was very available. And uh, the sisters were great. And I loved being around them. And so uh, when she opened AIDS homes in particular... Uh, there were a lot of uh, voices in opposition to the opening of these AIDS homes in the mid-80s. People didn't know for sure how you got the disease or how easily transmitted it was. And so there was a lot of fear. And uh, Mother Teresa saw a number of you know, mayors in New York and in Washington that were 
not so excited about having AIDS homes opened up in neighborhoods. And so I did a lot of work on that. And, uh, and then I ended up, of course, volunteering in the home, as I recount in the book. So even Mother Teresa needs a lawyer? <laughs> you remember President Bush's joke, <laughs> what kind of world do we live in when even Mother Teresa had to have a lawyer? Exactly. Yeah, he, he said that was his argument for tort reform, you know. I want to but talk. Yeah, she did. She wanna... did. People tried mm-hmm. to use her name to make money. People tried to use it to misrepresent. So the book recounts a number of these stories. A lot of times it, it was priests and bishops. So it wasn't just outsiders trying to make a buck. Was she tough in regards to handling those kinds of controversies? Yes and no. She was very tender and she, but if she dug her heels in on an issue, you couldn't move her. I mean, very stubborn and, uh, and somewhat impatient on some of these issues. One woman I recount in the book uh, left a fortune to her mother, Teresa, and the executor of it was trying to pilfer it. And uh, it was the only time where she wanted me to, to threaten legal action, you know, to actually go to court. So she wasn't keen on going to court, but if someone left her money for the poor, she'd fight for it. Uh, but, you know, but she didn't fundraise, she prohibited it. So she depended on divine providence. So uh, I just think that she was, uh, I remember one time Governor Childs calling her a street fighter which I didn't understand at the time, but the more I've thought about her life and what she put up with in Calcutta in the early 50s and 60s, uh, she was tough and she had to be. So the book shows that grit, I think, and determination she had. How did judges react to lawsuits regarding Mother Teresa? Well, there weren't really ever lawsuits that got to that point because the PR was terrible for the person. Mm. And so there was a, a coffee house and in Tennessee that had the miraculous nun bun and time magazine and late night comedians were using it because this coffee house said the cinnamon bun looked like mother Teresa. Uh, and so they had the miraculous confection and uh, <laughs> they were going out and selling coffee mugs and the miraculous nun bun paraphernalia. So mother wanted to stop it, but she wasn't a killjoy either. Uh, and so I, I had to work out a settlement with the guy and, uh, Mother, so she was a good sport about it, but clearly politicians and judges recognized uh, not only her celebrity, but her goodness. And mm-hmm. we're, you know, we're not going to be somebody to try to oppose that. How did your experiences with her later on then inform your work when you headed up the Office of Faith-Based and Community Initiatives for President George W. Bush? Well, they clearly... Uh, aligned with what President Bush was saying. My own experiences saw in in living in the AIDS home and dealing with men that had been drug addicts, some of them prostitutes, all of them from broken homes. The spiritual poverty was so intense, they felt unloved, unwanted, unwelcome. And so throwing government programs at them was often a waste of time. What they were looking for was human connection and welcome and someone to say that they mattered and that their life wasn't a burden, but a gift. And this, of course, was the heart of President Bush's initiative because he said government can't love, but faith-based and community organizations can. And so he called them armies of compassion. And, you know, and the truth is the most effective drug treatment programs usually had a spiritual component, whether it was 12 steps or whatever. It was aligning someone with the recognition of the presence of God in their life and that their life had value and that they were loved. One of the things you say is that um, she became a saint 
not in spite of our humanity, but because of it. And as a lot of us deal with all the problems, the pressing problems that we feel that we have in our country right now, what sort of lessons do you think we should be reminded of as we try to live our lives to the fullest and best of our abilities? I think Mother Teresa taught us how much we need each other and how important it is to have connections with other people, that people were so much more important than things, that the poor had something to teach us, that they often could unleash in us uh, compassion and kindness that we didn't know we had. So I think she, she clearly would be urging people to combat the disease of loneliness that is so prevalent. COVID really brought this out when we saw our elderly isolated Mother Teresa really thought loneliness was the worst disease, worse than leprosy, worse than AIDS, because of the feelings that people had that they weren't loved, that they weren't welcome. And so uh, I think that she would be stressing that in this technologically crazy world where you see these advances coming at us so hard with artificial intelligence, I think she'd be urging us to slow down because human beings and our humanity are at stake. And some of the effects of these technological changes are dehumanizing. They're talking about robots and nursing homes and, and in telemedicine that often separates a person from the touch of a doctor. So I just think that, uh, yeah, that would be a lesson that she'd be focusing on because that's how she spent her life, touching people, loving them. And as she aged, uh, she welcomed the love of others. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS. You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. May I ask what you think she might have suggested for a public policy, even if she would have weighed in? I don't know. I'm... I'm been really thinking about the homelessness problem all across America, not just here in New York City. Of course, it's uh, in Washington, D.C., Los Angeles, Chicago, Seattle, Portland, and now cities like Denver, for example. And it seems like it's a problem that government can not get a handle on. So maybe government is not the only answer. Would she have had any advice for how we should deal with this? Well, I, I do think that she would would support what President Bush had been talking about, which is, you know, arming the armies of compassion and helping faith-based organizations engage with people and give them options so that they could feel love and welcome and be known by name and not just be a caseload number. You know, I, I when I ran Florida's Health and Human Services, you know, we had 40,000 employees and we were giving out food stamps. We had foster care programs. And the, the workers did fine work, but the food stamp worker would get fired if they expressed compassion, if they gave away a larger allotment that was then was merited. So, yeah, I think that she she's not a big government fan. Uh, she was a fan of people caring and taking responsibility for their neighbor. I mean, it really was the gospel message that she wanted to see live, that Matthew 25 gospel that she read so many times that when I was hungry, you gave me to eat. And of course, that means food. There are many people with food insecurity in America, but it also meant the bread of friendship because so many people felt unloved and had kind of quit in life. And so I think 
I think she would have urged uh, a more radical approach that had neighbors helping neighbors and to do things one at a time, one person at a time. Because I look at the scale of it now and them throwing needles to dr at drug users. And yeah, that's just a failing strategy because you're quitting on their great God-given human dignity when you start treating them like animals. And so I, I do think uh, people can govern their choices. People can change. And, uh, we, and government should be incenting that and not actually enabling bad decision making. We also have a situation in our country where there are some who think that we're so polarized, that we've never been this polarized before, that the country is near a civil war breaking point. I have a different point of view. Um, I actually think that is a lot more on social media and Twitter than in the real world. But there are divisions and polarizations. And can her life, the way she led her life, help us think through a way to be the best nation in the world? Well, your book, Everything's Gonna Be Okay, you know, <laughs> the, the reality is mother had that attitude that she trusted that in the providence of God, God loved us so much more than our divisions might uh, seem to indicate that there wasn't love in the world. Uh, when you look at her life, and I, I touch on it in the early chapters, there she was in Calcutta, at a time of such strife and displacement as Pakistan, East Pakistan was created. There were civil wars and then religious strife between Muslims and Hindus. And she lived in the midst of that and saw the power of love and the power of relationship. And I think that if Americans rediscover this, and we see this after hurricanes, you and I saw it after September 11th, when, when you see the the neighbor helping neighbor and loving one another and seeing that that was more important than our differences. I think she'd be, she'd be of course, echoing that lesson that she had herself had seen in India. And so, yeah, we, we often let the, the loudest voices dominate the debate, but you see good acts of mercy and kindness all over the country. So many people caring for Alzheimer's spouses and foster children and, and all the kindness that you see from complete strangers. So as you see refugees coming into our country. So I just think there's a lot of goodness, unfortunately, uh, that often is uh, not covered very well, but it's there and it's very real. Just a couple of other questions. I would love for you to tell the story about how you met your wife because of Mother Teresa and what you invited her to come to. Well, uh, I met... Mary for the first time in Mother Teresa's home for people with AIDS there in um, Otis Street in DC. She was mopping the floor. Uh, haven't never saw that again actually in 30 years, but uh, that's a spoiler alert because I she went off to the convent and I went off to live with the Missionaries of Charity Fathers and she spent a year there and the sisters said, you don't have that vocation. And I didn't feel called to the priesthood. And then the nuns basically did an arranged marriage. And so uh, they would have us volunteering on the same day to take the men with AIDS to the zoo and she'd be bringing the women and we'd be loading up the van and we kind of laughed about it. But uh, you met Mary, she's great. And uh, President Bush loved her. Anyway, we, we uh, I proposed in Mexico City to Mary when she was studying there. And then um, and we, our first person to invite was Mother Teresa and she couldn't come to the wedding. I talked to her actually the day of the wedding, but she sent 35 of her sisters to the wedding. So it was anyone that went to our wedding uh, in February of 1992. The only thing they remember are the sisters singing. 
That's so great. <laughs> I really love that story so much. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious lolly Focus Pops or lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. You've written a, a beautiful book, To Love and Be Loved. It's a personal portrait of Mother Teresa. What a privilege that you had to... A lot of people got to meet her. Very few people were able to see her again and again and to develop this relationship with her. And God was, I believe, a part of this match so that you could be a part of her life and continue to tell the story. I'll just turn it over to you for a final thought about her life and how it affected you. Well, she just showed me the beauty of, of her humanity, this great God-given dignity uh, that she had. She saw herself as a pencil in the hand of God. She aged with dignity. She, she urged me to start a not-for-profit aging with dignity. And she taught me a lot about how important uh, this right to age with dignity is and how we need to safeguard it and affirm it. Um, I just, when I think back at her, I think of her smile. I think of her sense of perspective. She never got overwhelmed ever with worry. She prayed. Uh, she loved, she loved chocolate. She loved people. She was just, it was the, the beauty of her humanity that was, that really was the woman behind the saint that made her a saint because Sometimes we, we make religion out to be some kind of uh, appearances or something supernatural when, in fact, it was all grounded in her, her grit and determination as this Albanian woman that loved until it hurt. And she said, a life lit that's not lived for others is not worth living. And that's a, a great lesson for all of us, isn't it? So, yeah, when I think of mother, I think of her smile. I think of how she aged with dignity. And I, I just hope that the world recognizes that she still has important lessons to teach us. And I hope the book helps them on that. Dark chocolate or milk chocolate? <laughs> All chocolate. Okay. <laughs> it, it wasn't just that, you know, <laughs> cookies, brownies, you know, she was, uh, she had a sweet tooth and it was cute how the sisters would try to indulge it. I love it. I love the book and I really love you. Thank you for being a part of the Fox News Rundown. You're the best, Dana. Thanks. Thank you. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts.